1: Yes,
2: it is, and welcome back. We usually have him on Mondays, but um, other business kept him from us. I wanted to get his thoughts on a few things this week without letting the week go by, and that's why it's a delight to bring back Brandon Weikert. He is the publisher of The Weikert Report, author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, working on a new book on foreign policy. Now, Brandon, thanks for joining us. Happy Thursday.
0: Yes, happy Thursday. Thank you for uh, having me. Sorry for the
2: switcheroo on you. Oh, no, it's fine. You know, uh, we'll just not pay you for Monday's appearance. That's all. We'll just hold back. Of course. In case anyone's wondering, we, we never pay guests. Yes, so. yes. Uh,
0: no, I'm do, open to it. Do do say, no, yes, to I understand, it. understand that you're open.
2: <laughs> I understand you're not a boss. I, I... <laughs> all right. All right, let me collect myself for a second here before we engage in too much public mutual corruption. Brandon, there was a lot that was going on this week that I wanted to check in with you, though, on. Yeah. Uh, let me start with this. It's such a weirdly, an odd, it's been odd ever since it, it came out, and it has to do with, um, uh, 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 they made a movie about him, uh, J- Jamal uh, Khashoggi, and, yeah. and, and and he's been heralded as a um, as a great Arab dissident, Muslim dissident, as a journalist of uh, great credibility, what the Washington Post. Now, obviously, he met an end that uh, no one one is quite grisly. Yeah, grisly and grim and no one (laughs) gruesome and no one would wish on anybody. But this notion that he's some kind of heroic dissident speaking truth to the powers that be isn't really the record, is it?
0: No, no. Uh, Jamal Khashoggi was uh, the truest sense of an insider. He had been, for decades, an agent of the Saudi regime. Uh, he was very close with the old king who passed away and was replaced by um, by the now uh, Mohammed bin Salman, the young man who's now running Saudi Arabia, uh, his son. Uh, but Jamal Khashoggi was very close with the old king and sort of the old regime. And when Mohammed bin Salman rose to power, otherwise known as MBS, MBS was um, very different from his father. He was very different from what had come before. Uh, he was certainly a very brutal guy, as everyone in that part of the world who wants to survive as a leader has to be. But he was also very pro-West. He's open to Israel. He's open to being nice with Israel and to forming an alliance with, with Israel. He was a key component of the uh, Trump administration's uh, Abraham Accords. And none of those things sat well with Jamal Khashoggi. Jamal Khashoggi was, uh, ideologically, what we would call an Islamist. And that is someone who has, who wants to be politically, uh, the region to be politically oriented around Islam. Uh, and it's a rather radical, uh, political system. He was not a head chopping terrorist. But Jamal Khashoggi swam in many of the same circles as those sorts of people did, and defended Remember, it and apologized for it. And defended and apologized. Uh, apologized is Washington wrong. Washington was Post. was
2: an apologist for it? That's the better yes. way to put it. In the pages yeah. of right. the
0: Washington Post, right. right? He was a paid writer, op-ed writer for the Washington Post, but he had an agenda, and it was an Islamist one. It's very similar to how Sinn Fein was sort of the happy face version of the IRA. Uh, in Ireland, you know the IRA was the terrorist wing of the of Sinn Féin. It's very similar to that. And so, Jamal Khashoggi was uh, he he was an Islamist, and he was actually since high school he was very close with Osama bin Laden, and never renounced that relationship. In fact, he was a key conduit for Western journalists looking to do interviews mm-hmm. with uh, Osama bin Laden over the last you know twenty years before, of course, bin Laden was killed. Uh, but, but Jamal Khashoggi was by no means a good guy. Uh, he may have been a soft-spoken, well-educated, erudite man with many well-connections. But the fact is, he became this sort of, this legend in the, uh, you know, uh, annals of, of resistance to the Saudi monarchy only recently and only after he fell out of favor with the new king, MBS. And the new king fell out of favor with him because he was becoming very pro-Western, letting women drive, uh, really sticking it to Islamist elements of the Saudi royal family. That all ru- rubbed uh, Jamal Khashoggi the wrong way. And it's very telling. Jamal Khashoggi's own family disavowed him when he started going against, in 2017 and 2018, uh, Mohammed bin Salman. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So what, what, what I guess we're trying to say here is uh, don't accept... Just don't don't accept the main, the main version of some of these people just because the Washington Post was taking money from Khashoggi interests right. to uh, improve right. his profile. You and know what it reminds me a, of a little bit? And
1: yeah,
2: I don't know if you remember this story. Do you remember the story of Anwar al-Awlaki? He was an American Islamist. Yeah, in Yemen. Yeah, we ultimately killed yeah. him in Yemen, Obama. Yeah. did yeah. Uh, he was he he was he was a terrorist ins- inspirator and in fact i believe was one of the people noted to have inspired the shooting at fort hood, fort hood. in yeah. 2009 yeah. and the funny thing about that is when you go back to the early days after nine we're talking about september and october of 2001 Remember, this: the country was doing everything it could to understand Islam and talk to right. uh, Muslim leaders and us? heads of mosques. Right. NPR and CBS, they had Anwar al-Awlaki on all the time yes. as the kind of explainer, of, you know, yes. a moderate explainer of what, you know, Islam was right. supposed to be. Turns out the guy is a terrorist or at least a terrorist. al-Qaeda right. in, he was yeah, in right. the Arabian Peninsula. Right, right.
0: It's important to note with al-Awlaki, it's important to note. It is believed he made because he was at the mosque in California at the same time that the 2 nine eleven hijackers right. came in right. uh, from Malaysia into California that's in the summer of 2000. And it's right. believed that al actually helped to radicalize those two guys that's right. who ultimately commandeered one of the planes on 9-11. This guy was no good. It was one of the few good things that John Brennan did because he was on the top of John Brennan's kill list when John Brennan was advising Obama. Uh, but uh, yeah, Awalaki, it, you're right. Same kind of where, story. There was all this, yes, you
2: know, unknown dream, unknowns about yes, him. Yeah.
0: Yes, and he was he was viewed initially as this sort of um, you know happy face of that right. so right. he would never right. never pick up a, a sword against right. us. But he has a differing opinion right. that should be listened. Yes. To. And I would remind I would remind your audience, and this is prevalent to my new book that I'm I'm currently getting ready to submit to the editors. Uh, in the next 24 hours, uh, this is the same logic that Jimmy Carter engaged in when he was uh, breaking bread with a, the grand Ayatollah Khomeini. Right. And Khomeini played Carter and the Democrats like a fool. Yep. It was the same thing that Mohammed Morsi did in Egypt in 2011 with Obama, yep. where he wooed Obama into thinking that, oh, I'm a Democrat. Forget the fact that I'm an Islamist. I believe in democracy. Yep. I want. I'm going to be elected. As if that's what matters. And by the way, George W. Bush fell into this also when he supported the Hamas takeover in Gaza Strip that's right. in 2006. That's right. Well, hey, they were elected. They were elected. They were elected, they were elected and that's so right. it's democracy.
2: That's right. You
0: know, it's 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 the ignorance of Western elites, regardless of their party. It's killing us. And Trump was the first person in decades to say, if you're an Islamist, I don't care if you're a Democrat, right. lowercase P I'm not going to do business that's right. with you.
2: That's right. We tended to forget the instruction that democracy is more than one vote one time. And you, right. it, right, Hamas, and you saw it, right, with Hamas. And you saw it, in fact, you still see it in the West Bank with uh, Mohammed yes. Abbas. Who's well, you in see his, it in Iran uh, today. Right, yeah, and you see it, it in does Iran. Does
0: not today, Iran right. have elections? Yeah. You know, that's what they say. That's right. And, that's, you
1: know,
2: so. that's exactly right. So, a good cautionary tale before too many. Before too many uh, hands are wrung over, over Khashoggi. Again, not a death we would we, we would support or in any way wish upon well, anyone. And, but and he wasn't this yeah. great Western yeah. reformer. He had an agenda. Right. He was not Bob I Woodward.
0: Mean, he was, no, he was the guy. Uh, I wouldn't insult him by calling him Bob Woodward. Okay. But, uh, okay. He, was, he, was, he was the guy. He was not he was Fred Hyatt.
2: Guy. How's that? Is that better?
0: <laughs> Yes, he was the guy who was a conduit for Saudi intelligence in Washington, D.C. He was the number two guy at the Saudi embassy in Washington for years. For years, he was the ultimate insider until he fell out with the pro-American Mohammed bin Salman regime, which right now, by the way, is facing a lot of crap from Joe Biden because it was so close to Trump. Jamal Khashoggi was a never-Trumper. And well, I, see, I think they're going to
2: use this Khashoggi report to help sideline MBS. I think uh, that's my guess. Oh,
0: yes. Yeah. It's already in the work. Yeah. It's already in the work, Seth, and it's going to be a disaster. Of course. We are marching toward World War III in the Middle East because of what Biden is doing with with, uh, with the Saudis and the Israelis, how he's sticking it to them and empowering the Mullahs in Iran. Hold, Hold that thought, Hold
2: that thought, because we're going to break. I'd love you to expand on it on the other side. Can you do that for us, with us, Brandon? I'd love Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Thanks. We'll be right back with more from Brandon Weikert. His um, website, The Weikert Report. Weikert is spelled W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T, The Weikert Report. Brandon and I have names that... Sound more like we should be running delis than being on radio, but there it is, Weichert, W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. We'll be right back. He'll take your calls, too. 602-508-0960. Be right back. Aren't those great lyrics? Reach into heaven and pull you down a star... Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Brandon Weikert is our guest, uh, author of a great book, uh, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. has a brand new book. He's just putting the final touches on on foreign policy that will be released ideally when, Brandon? Will we see it this year or top of next year?
0: Well, my hope would be that probably in the fall of this year. Oh, but great! Who knows? We'll see. Good.
2: Yeah. Good. 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 Uh, yeah. And of course, he's the publisher of the Weikert Report, which you can get online: Report dot com. W e i c h e r t. Want to do some uh, stuff out of Asia with you, Brandon? But first, I want to pick up on where yeah. we left off at the top of at the end of the last segment about you know Middle East. It's really, really the unwritten story of the Trump administration was this yeah. kind of pox middle east that was created on his watch if you will or at least forged yep. forged right yep and yep. as with anything particularly with the middle east um it's fragile and it's reversible and you're That's worried right. that we are engaging in that kind of reversibility right now yes yeah
0: my my concern is that we are uh, basically going in full speed in reverse and that it will have Deleterious impacts on the uh, on the, on, the, on our national security, on our foreign policy, because we're basically handing off the region to Iran, which is feeling emboldened and feeling empowered, and uh, it's only a matter of time before something happens where either Israel feels they don't have any other choice but to go it alone and attack. Iran, which will, of course, drag the Sunni Arab states and eventually the United States into a major conflict in the region at a time when America is trying to extricate itself from the region. And it will also possibly, uh, it could potentially even lead, God help us, to the destruction of Israel and to the subjugation of the Sunni Arab states uh, at a time when you have massive Islamist fervor on the rise in those Sunni Arab states. And you could have a linkage existing between the Islamists who control Iran and the Islamists that are trying to overthrow the Saudi Kingdom, that are trying to overthrow all the Gulf shakedoms. We already know that Iran does deals no problem with Sunni Islamists in Qatar or with the Sunni Islamists of Turkey. And so it is or not the Sunni outside Islamists
2: of, of Hamas.
0: That's right. That's absolutely right. And actually, that's the whole chapter of my book yeah. is how Hezbollah and Hamas, because of Iran, are starting to coordinate right. against Israel. Right. And so, you know, we're, we're in a very tricky spot. And the problem is that the Biden team and the people around Biden, they're dubbed the smartest people in the room, but they are so ignorant about the region. They do not understand what it takes to survive there and what it means for these regimes like the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, like Israel, to be friends with America how dangerous that makes it for them. And so we've got to have their back more and we don't, and it's a bad situation. And Trump was starting to change that. And now Biden's going back to the Obama and Carter way, which is just going to hand the region over to the crazies in Tehran. And it will lead to a world war.
2: Brandon, um, (laughs) excuse me. You said just at a time when America was trying to extricate itself from the Middle East. And I sometimes wonder about that very sentence. (laughs) excuse me, Mm -hmm. that we um, so many people in in this country just say, why do we have to be there? Why do we ever have to be there? And Trump, Trump understood that. And thought we were at a point where we didn't have to be and drew down numbers Uh and uh, exercised exercised more restraint, I would say, against Iran than probably any other president would have given what Iran did. I think with the taking down of our drones, the attacks, the hostage taking, he really did exercise. The embassy attack. Yeah, yeah, the embassy attack. He really exercised a restraint that I really don't think Obama would have or Bush would have, to be honest with you. And I doubt Biden Uh, would.
0: I don't know. Um, with, I, hard to say. With, I, I think that if it was an American ally like Saudi Arabia or Egypt doing those things, you're, I don't think Obama or Biden would have hesitated to go after them. But with Iran, for some reason, the Democrats have this. I, I track it in my new. Book it's an allergy, I'm isn't it? Do, it's a weird it's, allergy. It's, they have this weird love yeah. for Iran, yeah. where like they just you know they'll look. I mean, look at the Stuxnet instance. So in two thousand nine or 2010, rather, the Obama administration ended up taking over, you know, from the Bush administration, and they, and Bush told them about this this uh, uh, computer virus that we and the Israelis were developing to go after the Iranian centrifuges that enrich uranium for their nuclear weapons program. And o- Obama, to Bush's shock, said, okay, I'm going to continue this program. But he changed the objective. Obama, the Bush objective was just to keep denying... Uh, the Iranians the ability to develop nuclear weapons. Obama wanted to deny the Iranians temporarily the ability to develop nukes so that it would give him the leverage he thought he needed to do a deal with Iran, which, of course, he ultimately did in 2015. And ultimately, that wasn't really a deal with Iran. It was really just a concession. Because if you read the deal, if you knew the JCPOA, You know that by 2025, 10 years after the deal was signed, Iran would have been legally allowed to acquire nuclear weapons, and there would have been nothing that the United States or the West could have done about it
1: the
2: important thing I think to remember there is as the JCPOA was advertised as putting an end to Iran's nuclear program, that itself is a lie and a, and a misstatement it was a of lie. fact. It was a delay if at you want best. Your doctor, you can keep right. it. It was a lie. Right, right. You know, it, it, was,
0: it was just like it was a typical Obama lie. It was a confession, is what right. it was. Right. It was Obama gave up on the Middle East, and you see this in his interaction, and now I think you're going to see it with Biden's interaction, with the wider Middle East, not just Iran, but the Sunni Muslim countries and Israel as well. You saw this with Obama deciding to support the Muslim Brotherhood in 2011 uh, in Egypt, when they overthrew the longtime American client Hosni Mubarak, and they replaced him with Mohamed Morsi. You saw this when Obama told uh, the new leader of of Egypt, who's pro-American, he's a military junta, but he's pro-American, and he overthrew Morsi. Because Morsi was a Muslim Brotherhood member, and the military in Egypt hates the Muslim Brotherhood, but Obama was punishing for two years thereafter, until 2016, he was punishing Sisi for overthrowing Morsi. The same thing with Libya. Gaddafi was an American client by the time that Obama overthrew him, and what did he replace him with? Well, nothing. It was Islamists. I think there's three people the who country. claim the
2: prime ministership of Libya right now. Right, and right
0: the, now. Russians, yeah. the, Russians, the Russian-backed guy, Haftar, has the, has the most legitimate claim to Libya, and so that's now Russia moving into another part of the Mediterranean they previously did not have any influence over. And then in Syria, you saw Obama, and now Biden looks like he's going to do it again, trying to overthrow Assad. Assad's a bad guy, but he's not an Islamist. He's at war with the Islamists. The Islamists are at war with us. For some reason, the Democrats love these Islamists, whether they're the Sunni variant or the Shiite variant in Iran, and it's going to get us killed over there.
2: You know, it's an interesting parallel. When you think about Obama's uh, first two years in office, there was this uh, Iranian uh, dissident movement um, that uh, had, I thought, some serious potential as an organic movement to finally maybe put an end to the malocracy. Obama put an end to that movement by saying we That's will right. not meddle. But meddle he did right. with allies. Meddle he did with yeah. Egypt. Meddle he did with Libya. Meddle yeah. he did with Israel. And I thought that was pretty much all you needed to know. Let me, let me talk to you about China, if I can, on the other side of this break, Brandon. You. That would be great. We're talking yeah. to Brandon Weicker. He's happy to take your questions, too. 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Hey, it's Seth Leibson, and one of the things I say about Balance of Nature is that it is both good and good for you. It's good for you, of course, because it boosts your health, energy, and immunity. With all-natural vine-ripened fruits and veggies picked at their peak of ripeness that they reduce using their unique cold press process into vegetarian capsules that gives you tens of thousands of vital nutrients every day made of potent, powerful stuff from apples and blueberries and garlic and wheatgrass and kale and carrots and celery, everything you'd want. You just take it once a day and you get 10 servings of fruits and vegetables. That's the part that's good for you. Good and good for you. Why is it also good for you to Try Balance of Nature because they support programming like this. They are one of our chief sponsors. Balance of Nature, it's my favorite product, and it is good in and of itself and good for you as the best health product I can imagine recommending. They have a great deal right now, free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call at 800-246-8751, or visit them at balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. We're talking with Brandon Weikert from the Weikert Report. Brandon, one of the, um, one of the great things about the James Bond movies is that they were really close to the truth a lot of the time. And though I don't recall them ever really taking on China, they did this with North Korea more so. Right. You are seeing stories now, and you wrote up a haunting headline, China is creating a new master race. I put nothing beyond China, nothing. And I, I start with Amnesty International. It should tell you everything you need to know. I've been following the situation in Shenzhen for more years than I care to remember. I put nothing beyond China. I think it is the heart of darkness. But tell us about yes. this new thing, creating a new master race. Wow. Yeah,
0: yes. Well, actually, the headline was Gordon Chang. Okay. I, that, was a, an, that was an interview I did for him at Gates okay. Institute. But, okay. um, yes, I, this has been a beat that I have covered for about three years now. Uh, the the biotech beat in China. And it's truly the stuff of, you know, the the doctor, island of Dr. Moreau. Mm -hmm, mm You know, it mm -hmm. it is ghoulish experimentation they're doing. Uh, It is, for instance, the, the Uyghurs, the Muslim Uyghurs who are being put in concentration camps are not just being mass raped and, you know, worked to death as the Jews of Germany were in World War II at the concentration camps under Nazi Germany's control, uh, but they are also their their DNA is being collected and being uh, input into a giant national database controlled by the people's Repo- the People's Liberation Army, wherein that uh, very detailed genetic data is then being used by Chinese biotechnologists to develop what the Chinese military refers to as specific genetic attack. Basically, China is collecting as much information, biological data, on groups and individuals with whom they disagree, and they are planning to use technology like CRISPR, which is a gene-editing technology the West developed and was handed over to the Chinese as part of our multitude of joint research projects that our pharmaceutical companies and the NIH itself does with the Chinese government and education institutes there. Uh, and then that data collected will be used to create biological weapons that will specifically target specific genetic traits of, of groups like the Uyghurs, or even individuals with that that the Chinese government has a problem with. And this is um, this is pretty much where it's headed. And and it's a new form of biological warfare that is truly macabre. And it could very well be our undoing. For instance, um, the theory of behind COVID-19... Hold, hold this thought, Brand- Brandon. This yeah. is
2: such a big thing. Hold this thought. Let me take us yeah. to break on this and, sure. and have you pick up on that. And let, let me just quote, yeah. quote you to you and the audience to think about as we come <laughs> back. Um, biotechnology development in China is heading in a truly macabre direction, writes Brandon Weicker. In a communist society with unrestrained ambition, researchers are pursuing weird... Science. What happens when you mix pig and monkey DNA? Chinese experimenters can tell you. How about growing human like organs in animals? Yes, they've done that as well. Moreover, Beijing may already be engineering super soldiers. U.S. intelligence shows that China has conducted human testing on members of the PLA in hope of developing a soldier with biologically enhanced capabilities wrote john ratcliffe former head of the director of national intelligence brandon will unwind all of that when we come right back this is just haunting totally haunting stuff we're talking to brandon weikert uh, can I just repeat this sentence? Has nobody in China seen Planet of the Apes, or maybe they <laughs> have? Yeah, right. Go ahead, Brandon.
0: Yeah. yeah uh, so the, the the Chinese they take a leap without looking approach when it comes to development. Whether it's uh, you know industrializing to such a point that the Beijing air is now impossible to breathe in, or with all the pollution or if it is, uh, you know, developing these advanced biotechnology capabilities with absolutely no real understanding of the, the ramifications of what happens if they, they don't, you know, they don't operate in an ethical, uh, you know, parameter. And, um, you know, one of the things, as you know, I, I am in of the mind that COVID-19 was leaked from the Wuhan Virology Institute. And one of the things that's so dangerous and that's sort of a warning But whatever else is going on in China with biotech development is that we know that that lab had virtually no serious safety standards, that it was entirely sort of the slapdash thing. They were just playing with all kinds of things, throwing a bunch of mud up the wall to see what stuck. And what we know is that there were numerous security violations of containment protocols there in the months and years leading up to what was potentially the COVID-19 leak. In fact, it was so bad that Xi Jinping, apparently in the summer before it was revealed that COVID-19 came out, in summer of 2019, apparently had a very famous conference call with the former director of the Wuhan Virology Institute in which he was excoriating him for not respecting any modicum of safety standard at the lab. The Chinese do not care about safety standards. All they want is to get to new advances in technology before the Americans. So that way they can corner the market and then they can become the innovation hub of the new industrial revolution that's currently underway in biotech and quantum computing, artificial intelligence, cloud computing, space technology, et cetera. If they can pioneer these things first, China believes they can really become the new superpower of the 21st century. But they don't care about the downside. They don't care about the, you know, Mangala like freak show that they're creating in the process. They're cloning monkey-pig hybrids so that those they believe that a monkey-pig hybrid could potentially uh, incubate uh, cloned human organs better. That's why they're creating these things. They are, uh, they're talking about, you know, they've gene-edited babies. Two babies were infected with HIV in utero, and they ended up, uh, you know, gene-editing HIV out of the children. Now, save those children's lives. But what happens when they start doing things like gene-doping? wherein they look at a healthy subject and they say, we want to perfect it. And we already know that China is, uh, you know, they're ideologically Marxist or Maoist, and therefore China's going to, uh, you know, they're going to try to perfect their people, not just make them healthy, but it's the healthy people they're going to try to make better. Uh, and we see this right now within a sundry of different uh, technologies, things like a brain control interface, (BCI). I wrote about this at my website a few weeks ago when I was in D.C. at the beginning of this month. I spoke with a gentleman at this DOD conference who is developing a brain control interface. His company was offered $143 million to leave the United States and do research and development for the Chinese military in China. He turned it down. But as he said, you know, eventually some Western scientist doing work similar to mine is going to take the money and run. Of course. And... You know, so it's very it's very scary. And I asked a, a colleague of mine who used to be on uh, the House or the Senate Majority Leader's staff. He was the chief innovation expert. He was a biotech guy, and he and I got into it uh, last October. Uh, and and which we were, he, you know, I was going after China for doing these sort of leap without looking, wild west mentality biotech research and development and he was saying look it makes business sense for western pharmaceutical firms and for NIH and these other research labs to partner with china and do experimental research and development in china because the standards are so much lower and you can conduct such cutting edge research far cheaper than you can in the west with its, with its various you know regulatory bodies and all of that and he said so he said the incentive as long as that incentive is there but the Americans and the Europeans are always going to offload uh, onto China this advanced research and development. And part of the deal is China's government, their military, gets first dibs on any advances that are made. And they will use it as they see fit. And they will use it against us. And they will use it against dissidents in their own country. And it's getting very scary over there because they don't care about the downside risk. And that's the problem.
2: Well, it's terrifying. And what we know... Uh, about being scary over there is there's no over there. You know, if you think over there can be confined, talk to me about...
0: Just look at COVID. Yeah,
2: just look at Wuhan. So listener Hal writes in, uh, does Brandon think the Uyghurs will be the first human lab rats and proof of concept and then a random population elsewhere in the world? Is anyone in a position of authority thinking about this?
0: Yes. Yes, it is. They're not thinking about it because every time... Every time I bring this up, I, you know, I get in trouble with the military. They tell me that I, I'm not to talk about this. Yeah. It, is, it, is, it is verboten right now. You're not allowed to talk about it. I don't know why. I think it's something to do with political correctness, and it's really started under the Biden administration. Um, nobody's really wanting to talk about this because they don't really understand it, and they think some of it is sci-fi-ish. And I will tell you, three weeks ago, If you had told me that there is a guy in Georgetown who is creating brain control interfaces, I would have laughed. But after I talked to this guy and after I saw his research and his data and what he's doing with pigs in his lab, making them dance, I will tell you, he says within two years, he said if the the FDA and the regulations were removed tomorrow completely, he could have this technology to the marketplace available to anyone within the next two years. He said, but because of all the regulatory burdens, and he thinks it's probably a good thing there's regulation, he said because of that, it, we don't know. It could be 5 to 10 years, it could be 20 years. Elon Musk thinks the Neuralink, which is a similar technology, will be available in the next 10 to 15 years under current regulatory conditions. China wants to have that technology available to them in the next couple of years. This is, this is where it's headed, and the military is not prepared. And so, yes, I think that everything you're seeing in the news about stuff like with the Uyghurs, or these these different experiments going on in China, these different R&D programs, radical exotic technology development, I think all of that is predicated on proof of concept and then applying it elsewhere in the world and building it out. I would not be surprised if in the next few years another more virulent virus suddenly leaks out of China and that suddenly it starts attacking maybe only Americans, maybe obese American. We know that that COVID attacks people with asthma and diabetes more likely than it is to attack or otherwise healthy american well these are huge diseases in america yep, today. Yep. the chinese know that of course they can plan for that you bet and so yeah. this is a very scary thing and we don't know how to defend against it
2: let me throw one more scary thing into the mix as i had to break it we'll close with this if that's okay um you can know uh, sure. uh just take the question now and we'll answer it on the other side of the break it comes from a listener what's the story what's the dealio with uh, the nuclear football and Joe Biden. It turns out there's this story circulating that several House Democrats, more than several, are signing a letter asking President Biden to renounce sole authority to launch nuclear weapons. If uh, you might just weigh in on that when we come back, Brandon. We'll be right back. It's been a delight, just a total delight having Brandon Weikert with us this hour. You've been firing on all pins, Brandon. Let me throw one more grenade your way, so to speak. I got an email asking you what you know about this story that several dozen House Democrats have signed a letter asking President Biden to renounce his sole authority to launch nuclear weapons. We're talking about the nuclear codes that the president has the vested sole authority to, to, uh, to, to launch. Yeah. And it appears several House Democrats are asking to disperse that authority. Do you know much about that?
0: Yes. Well, this has been an ongoing issue really for decades. But in the last couple of years, because, you know, Orange Man was in the White House. Right. The Democrats really took it to new levels. They didn't like the idea that Trump had sole authority to launch nuclear weapon. They used to talk like this also when Reagan was in office. But they've never actually taken this kind of action. And now people are asking me, why is it happening if the Democrats are in charge? Why are they doing this to a Democrat president? Well, it's very simple. Thaddeus McCotter, my friend, as well as Victor Davis Hanson, have for months now been saying that Biden is going to be slowly removed by his own party. And they're going to first start by doing a drip, drip, drip campaign in the press about how Biden can't be trusted, how Biden's mental acuity has declined. He's too old, too sleepy. Got to get out of the way for Kamala to take over. I think this is the first of many drip, 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 drip stories in the media, undermining Biden's mental acuity, all in an effort to basically form a situation where Biden either has to be removed from office so that Kamala can take over, or something drastic where, like the nuclear football codes, are suddenly no longer launched only by the chief executive. They have to now go through a committee, which, as you know, in a nuclear warfare scenario, it takes about five minutes for Russia or China to send nukes over there. Assuming you, you don't can even get the to committee
2: have, together, right? I mean, you know. The, right. You right. don't have
0: time to wait no. for a committee, regardless no. of which party's right. in office. Right. So so this is all, though, I think predicated on slowly undermining Biden so that he's the whisper campaign, so that he's forced to leave office and the younger, more vibrant, more preferable, uh, Kamala Harris can take over, at least from the Democrat's mind, can take over and and run the, the ship of stake.
2: Brandon Weichert, you have just been a wealth of information today. This was just a great tour. I appreciate you coming in today, and uh, we will talk Thank to you. you next week. But again, folks— See you Monday. Yeah, you bet. The, uh, the book is mm-hmm. Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. Working on a title for the new book he just completed that hopefully will be out yep. this fall— and you can follow him on his webs well on Twitter or on his website, The Weikert Report. The com. Brandon, thank you for everything.
0: Thank you, Seth. Talk to you later.
2: You betcha. God bless you. And we'll talk to you soon.